Hello, welcome to the first episode of For My Role podcast. My name's Tyler. And I'm Vicky. My beautiful wife, Vicky. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a podcast about board games. And because it's the first podcast, we're going to give a little intro on ourselves and how we got introduced to the hobby. So we met around 2016, and shortly after we met, we visited a board game cafe in L.A. called Game House, and there we discovered Pandemic. We were recommended it, and that is actually a big gateway game for a lot of gamers getting into board game design. I'm sorry, designer board games. (laughs) And... I think it's such a big gateway game because a lot of people come in and they're used to playing, you know, normal games, just roll and move, you know, run-of-the-mill, Milton Bradley-type games, and then somebody introduces them to a game that people play cooperatively, and that's a pretty big mind-blower for them. Yeah, it was definitely something different, and once we got into that, then we started playing other games at the same cafe. We would go at least once a week. Yeah, around once a week, and mm-hmm. we kind of had odd schedules, so we were able to dodge the crowds on the weekends. So we kind of ate up the two-player games right off the bat. Played a lot of patchwork. Um, we tried Lost Cities, but I was lost, so we didn't play that <laughs> one again. That was a little too mathy for one of our we first games. We had some games. misses. We tried playing um, Omega Protocol. Yeah. right off the bat we and tried we omega pretty quickly <laughs> way over our head so um but most of the games we had fun with yeah some of them it was just too soon probably should have not tried them yet but yeah we dove in too deep right off the bat <laughs> but right now uh it's been so how long has it been then three years i guess almost four years almost four years now yes. yeah and uh, we're sitting at around almost 200 games right now that we own, so we're pretty deep now. We have all kinds of different uh, difficulties of games. We, I think our most difficult one is probably Lisboa. Yes, and uh, we've been to, what, how many? Two board game conventions or three board game conventions? Yeah, we went to a couple of Dice Tower mm-hmm. West so far. Formerly known as MeepleCon. Yeah, formerly known as MeepleCon. <laughs> and... Man, we've been, really been meaning to get out to Gen Con. Yes. Maybe yeah. next year. Maybe next year. Also, as gamers, we primarily only play two players. But that has changed recently. So we could get into that. So recently, as many of you know, and this probably dates the episode, but there has been a COVID, also known as coronavirus, outbreak. And that has created both some challenges and some opportunities for the board gaming industry in that a lot of articles are published online. A lot of people are reaching out and using board games as a way to be social in a time where people are ordered to stay at home or forced to stay at home. So a lot of people are playing board games over video chat and we've had family members that have kind of reached out. Yeah, we have to we had to get really creative as far as be able to play board games with other people without leaving their homes and staying home safely. So Yeah, we've had our family actually reach out. My brother and his wife 
reached out to us and they also play play a lot of board games and we've experimented with different kinds of board games but we've found and for all the other people that are looking for ways to play rolling rights are a great way to go we've played let's see welcome to yeah we played welcome to we played quicks harvest dice harvest dice and they actually gave us one uh we played vegas dice yeah vegas dice that's not a rolling right but but it has dice so it's anything with dice is so much easier yeah anything with dice where you could go ahead and show it is a lot easier low component count with dice very easy um so if and it's it's easy because you could also just send them the the sheets they can print it out on their own that's the way to go now that being said we have also played some bigger board games over zoom it's been a little more challenging but we've actually managed to play great western trail and i feel like it it worked we kind of had to uh to rig up a cell phone to to a fishing pole to get the big overhead shot (laughs) but we were able to do it and i feel like one of the only ways we were able to do it is because my brother also owned the game so he could kind of set the board up as as things progressed but he was also able to keep track of where his his player was on the board some other games worked a little bit better but the smaller games were definitely a lot easier lower components a lot simpler another thing to check out would be board game arena which we were recently introduced to it's a website and also an app it's a website and an app Mm -hmm. yeah where they actually have a pretty good selection of games you can play online you can play with you know with your family with friends with people you know or you can play with randomly with anyone pretty much in the world um they have a lot of free games available Mm -hmm. um you can also buy the premium subscription for four dollars i think i believe a month yeah and you will have access to more games um they have very very simple games like card games all the way up to more complicated games like um through the ages or lewis and clark so just really depends what you're looking for yeah yeah we we were exposed to games we, we weren't otherwise exposed to through that like I've been looking for Can't Stop for forever. Or for I know sale. It was, and Can't Stop and for sale, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for both those games for forever. Didn't want to pay too much money for them. And sure enough, played them, loved them, and I didn't have to buy them. Yeah, so definitely <laughs> something to check out. Um, it will give you the opportunity to play with other people and also try games that you possibly would have not had a chance to, to play otherwise. Yeah, yeah, we have... I mean, when we got 200 plus games, we got almost, what, four Calyxes full? Yeah, no space anymore. (laughs) We are very selective when we go and buy games. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'll say Lewis and Clark on there actually worked pretty well. Uh, It was better to know the game. So word to the wise, Lewis and Clark with four players is definitely a challenge, especially if people don't know the game first. So just be careful. <laughs> Teach them outside of outside of the app because I think our game of Lewis and Clark took four hours. I think so. Yeah, four hours. It was it was a slog. So just keep that in mind. Anybody who's out there to play Lewis and Clark, play two players first. It's excellent at two. Yes, I agree. Some of the games we've been playing lately, we have a couple of of older games that we have that 
we kind of took off the shelf during this pandemic. And one of them is, uh, you'll have to go ahead and pronounce this one. Oh, <laughs> um, so one of the ones that we, I think we've only played twice and we got it as a gift for Christmas is um, Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan, yes. Yeah, <laughs> which is actually an excellent game. It is very intimidating to look at. The board is gigantic, but it's a good little, what would you call it? I think it would be called like dice placement game, some kind of worker placement game, but you work on a um, rondelle, yes, rondelle system. Yes, that's what it's called, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. It's a very, very simple game once you get the... You just got to get the, the hang of down. each area. Yeah, and then after area. that, it's it's you're pretty much just going around and just choosing your actions over and over again and you'll have um different ways to earn points including building the pyramid yeah you build a pyramid that's pretty cool and unique you never do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh vicky's pretty good at this one some other games we played recently were games that my brother's kind of been exposing us to through this whole covid video chat one of those games is called subterra a lot of people might have heard of this one this is a tile laying game where basically the theme is that you're a bunch of i guess cave explorers you're trying to get out of this super dangerous cave yeah like everything <laughs> you can think of is going wrong in this game yeah this is like <laughs> The, the most w- dangerous cave ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you girls. have you not only have these ghosts <laughs> called horrors, and you have floods, you have gas leaks, you got cave-ins, you got you got to get out of this cave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's a co-op. Yeah, obviously. it's a co-op. Yeah, everybody's splitting up, and then they're getting back together as soon as one of you finds the exit. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. We got out safe and sound us too and yeah my brother and his wife were stranded and stuck in the cave forever which i feel bad because i feel like if she would have not gone back and saved me and healed me she probably would have made it out on time it's all about survival so (laughs) she should have not helped me (laughs) yeah so no it was a it was a fun game i and maybe our playthrough wasn't as indicative as a, of a normal playthrough my brother said they they all got out the the game before so maybe ours was just different but but yeah we thought it was a lot of fun it was pretty tough too so it was yeah it was a decent decent crunchy co-op game not sure the price on that one but uh the components seem nice from what we could see <laughs> the tiny picture, yeah. And I think he bought all the expansions before he even had the game in his in his <laughs> before he had ever played it. So I don't think we played with any of the expansions. I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So another game that we were exposed to was called Deep Sea Adventure. That one was deceptively hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the basic theme is that 
It's a it's by the way, this is a small game by Oink Games. A lot of people might have heard of this company. It's a Japanese company. They make very very small footprint games. This one basically it's a submarine and you have a bunch of different tiles that go underneath it that are worth more and more points as it goes down. Yes. And you also have an air tracker that's on top of the sub and this will tell you how long you have to get out or you won't be <laughs> able to keep the treasure that you have with you. And I think there's three rounds. It's a push your luck. With a very special die that only has three pips on it. Yeah, you have one to three pips on, on a die. and Not so uh, much you can move, so you are not really moving that quickly. Well, once, once you go down, <laughs> yeah, once you go down, once you grab the treasure, then it's harder and harder to, to get back up to the sub. And I think we either we are all very, very greedy or we were just unlucky because out of all three rounds, I think my brother was the only one to get up with any kind of treasure whatsoever. Yeah, it was a it was a good push or luck game. Uh, we enjoyed it. We're not sure how expensive it was, but uh, but yeah, it looked looked good enough for us. We are not really the push your luck kind of uh, kind of people. Not too much. It's hard to do good push your luck with two players, because once one player is out, it's kind of no fun for the other one. That being said, we're really pushing for Clank Legacy. Yes. <laughs> we do enjoy Clank, and uh, I think Flip City was another one of our favorite push your luck games. Yes, that one's a lot of fun, which we played recently. Yeah, we did play that one mm -hmm. recently. It's it's a really good game. Yeah, we definitely recommend that one. Uh, real simple, small footprint game. All you have is a deck of cards, and you, you need to get how many victory points? I believe shown? seven or eight victory points. Yeah, seven or eight victory points. You improve your deck as you go. If there's three uh, symbols, what are they called? Is it just X's? Yes. Three red X's show up on your cards as you keep dealing them. If uh, if you don't stop, you'll be able to accumulate money to buy better cards or flip cards that you already have, hence the name Flip City, mm -hmm. into better better cards. Upgrade your cards. Yeah, upgrade them. That's a good word for mm -hmm. it. But yeah, if you show three of those X's, then your turn's over. You kind of have to choose whether or not you're going to keep going. Good push of luck. So another game that we've played, which I've been dying to talk about, is one that we finally bought. We had a little bit of extra cash, and we finally bought Millennium Blades, which we have been crazy addicted to. So this game, a lot of people might have heard of this. This is a card... Uh, what is CCG? Collectible card game. Yeah, a CCG inside of a game. So if you think of yourself playing a game like maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh! video Pokemon. game or a Pokemon card video game, mm -hmm. then this is it. But it's in a board game. So basically what you do is your character... You start with a starter deck of cards and you're buying cards. You have wads of cash... Literally wads of cash. Literally wads of we cash. We had to strap them to make them look like wads Which of cash. Which we'll go through po uh, <laughs> pros and cons in a sec. But uh, yeah, you have these wads of cash that you use to buy boosters, which basically boosters are a single card. 
but that's kind of how boosters work. Usually whenever you buy boosters, you only really get one good card out of the whole booster pack. Mm -hmm. So with this, it's kind of similar that you don't know quite what you're getting, but you have a rough idea. The outside of the... Because you're putting the cards upside down. The outside of the card will have what roughly the types of cards you're getting. And you kind of want to sync these up because there's three tournaments in the game. So you have timed phases where you're building your deck of cards. And building collections to get different types of points. Which at this point is when you're buying cards from the store. Right. Or when you're possibly... Um, selling cards. Selling cards. Trading, trading cards. cards. Mm-hmm. So just building your best possible combination of cards, which would be one deck box, two accessories, and eight cards. Yeah, and so out basically, those, mm-hmm. yeah. And out of those eight cards, you only technically only use six. Exactly. So the tournaments aren't too aren't too crazy. I mean, it's six cards that you keep in your hand that you've assembled, and you just go and play a quick little card game. And then you are back to deck building. The winner of that tournament gets a certain number of points, and and you do it all over again. After three tournaments, you you know you see who won based on how many mm-hmm. points you got. And I gotta say, this I think the card count in this game was, was four hundred cards, four hundred plus cards. Yeah, four hundred plus cards in the mm-hmm. base game alone, mm-hmm. which is insane. But every booster pack we've used in this game is just great the combinations you can come up with it's it's just excellent and it's funny too it has the uh there's a lot of what would you call them parodies of a lot of nerd culture yeah like final fantasy or yeah there's super mario Mario themes yeah Mm -hmm. and there's all the characters inside it or are just just funny versions of of stuff well, that you're familiar Yu-Gi-Oh. with. There is a Yu-Gi-Oh character mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's a clearly a par- parody. Yeah, it's it's a really really fun game. So that being said, let's go through the pros and cons of the game. The insert. The insert <laughs> is a definite con. I hate it. <laughs> Once we open this game, we could not get it back without it just being a jumbled mess. Yes. So we, even though we've been in the hobby for three, almost four years, we have never, ever bought any type of insert, insert, you know, like a 3D insert or foam insert or wood insert, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just had to have an insert for this because it drove me insane. So yeah, after we played the game the very first time and we loved it, I'm like, I am buying an insert. I do not care. Yeah, it was tough getting those cards back. And once they're in there, they need to be separated. Oh, and this will this is another reason why we needed the insert. So another con of the game, which we didn't know going in, was that you get these cool wads of cash. However, once you get the game, you have to organize these wads of cash. Yes. So, so it's just like actual money. You have to actually get money. What do you call straps? It? So it, it's just pretty much paper money, monopoly looking money. Mm-hmm. But in order for it to look like you're just purchasing with all of this cash, they want you to put in like packs of 10 and then it will come with the money strap. Right. It's like just a sticker that you will stick around mm-hmm. the 10 pack. Right. So we had to count 10, 10, 10, 10 and 
strap them. And how many bills were there in the game? 800, I think so. 800 bills 800. you have to organize, which was which was definitely intimidating. And then we ended up with some denominations were short on bills and some of them were over, right. which just drove us insane. But right. you just have to go through it once. And then after that, I mean, you don't think about it again. And that being said, you don't have to separate the bills after that. They mm-hmm. stay in their straps. It just gives you the the feel of having an actual, which I think is actually a pro in the end. Mm-hmm. I just wish those would have been organized beforehand. Yes. Because that is a heck of a slog. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, another con, which I would I would still say is kind of a con, is that you are playing with a large number of these booster packs. Now, when you're setting up the quote-unquote store for this game, you need to combine six, oh, what is it, six, at least six of these booster packs together with a store deck, which is a giant chunk of cards. So there is, in the beginning of this game, there's a ton of shuffling that needs to happen. And you're combining just a ton of cards. So you're going to have to be shuffling multiple actual playing card decks of cards all over, all over. You're shuffling, shuffling, shuffling all the cards together just to make sure they're properly shuffled. So it it is a, a heck of a setup. Yes. And putting away, it's the same thing. you got to separate all these different boosters out. But that being said, it's still now, it's still a really good game. That being <laughs> said, with all these cons that it makes it look like it's bad, I think we've had the game for two weeks, two weeks now, and we've played it probably four times. And we are looking forward to playing it again soon. And that says a lot since we have games that we've owned for years that we probably haven't played that many times. So. Yeah. So we're definitely excited about it right now. We'll see if it te- if it uh, stands the test of time. But right now we are more than psyched about it and looking into getting expansions already. And we're playing variants. We're, yeah, we're going pretty hard on Millennium Blades. So that is Millennium Blades. Okay, and now we're going to start a segment called, what was it called? We don't have a name for it. (laughs) (laughs) No, we definitely do have a name for it. I'm just trying to think of it. Oh, what was it called? (laughs) Death by Exposure. I think that's what it was called. Yes, but I thought we were going to... Anyways, it's called Death by Exposure. (laughs) So we're going to talk about something in-depth, something we were maybe interested by or something that we were exposed to recently and just give a quick review of it. This could be comic book culture, it could be a movie, it could be TV show, something. Maybe something that Vicky exposes me to. It could be something simple, it could be something in-depth. So this time I thought we would start off with a bang with a movie called Shin Godzilla. Or I believe the American title is... Godzilla Rebirth, I believe. Yeah. So uh, we both actually watched this one for the first time. And this is kind of a revamping of the original Godzilla movie. 
It shows the evolution of Godzilla from just a normal creature. Not this... even normal. It looks like a <laughs> giant, creepy tadpole. But whatever. Continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Into the Godzilla creature we know and love today. He wasn't Japanese. Yeah, it was in Japanese. I'm not complaining. No, no, no. We love um, our subtitles. It was... I, I think that it was it had good like special effects and good graphics. That was a big deal in this movie was that a lot of people were recommending it because Godzilla, it for a Japanese Godzilla movie, they finally had the resources to put up good special effects and go all out on on everything that people loved about Godzilla. The, mm-hmm. the city trashing, the the creature's powers. It was it was great. Yeah. It did start off as a more horrifying creature than anything. <laughs> yes. It was a giant-looking tadpole with bulging eyes and gills that were bleeding. Yeah, just spitting blood. <laughs> it was... I First, I didn't even know I was looking at Godzilla. I was like, what is this thing? Is this a thing Godzilla's going to fight? I thought so as well. And then he just... Starting to started to turn creepier. Yeah, it seems like the more people interfered with him, the more he evolved. Yes. So, yeah, he just became a hardened creature, and then we when he started hitting, got hit with what was it first? Just regular bullets. Yes. When he started getting hit with bullets, his skin kind of tightened up, and he started getting on all on just two legs and started with bombs and he got oh yeah but when he got powers. into legs he he had tiny little arms like <laughs> t-rex and he looked well, ridiculous that's godzilla, godzilla <laughs> always no, has bombs. they were tiny <laughs> super t- they look like human hands on a giant creature <laughs> yeah. and then they tried to nuke him which didn't go well yeah he pretty much got nuking powers <laughs> then he pretty much had radiation coming out of everything, out of his tail, out of his eyes, yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> he was just shooting and zapping everything. Yeah. Well, I was never huge into the older Godzilla movies, so I'm not sure how it would compare to the old ones. I've heard from fans of Godzilla that this is the best, most recent Godzilla movie. It was everything they wanted. So it seemed like a good place to start with Godzilla. And uh, from what I hear, it seems like Godzilla is basically not a movie about the creature. It's more about Japanese politics and a bunch of underlying issues with humans trying to mess with nature, technology. The Americans mingling in the Japanese people. Yeah, which is something I'd really like to bring up. <laughs> Godzilla obviously feeds, well, in the in the movie, they made it very obvious that Godzilla was feeding off nuclear, what was it, nuclear waste, or he was run by nuclear fusion. Mm-hmm. Had a lot to do with Japan for that reason. That's why he was going to Japan. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, a lot centered around that. Um, that being said, you could definitely tell that they really had centered around Japanese government because most of the cuts, there was, you know, there was a lot of action, but not a lot of Godzilla action all the time. 
A lot of the action was people fleeing, a bunch of government officials talking to each other, asking what they're going to do next. I thought the acting was great, with the exception <laughs> of the girl, of the American Japanese girl. Japanese girl whose just accent was very, very. Well, they just it try really to make... took us out of the movie. That's for sure. Just try to make her like, oh, I am the cool hip American person. Yeah, and that she was going for president, but she was acting like a like probably a 13 year old girl valley girl or something <laughs> yeah i don't know uh yeah it wasn't uh i don't think it came off as cool as it was supposed to maybe they didn't mean it to be cool her acting was a little over the top and i will also say the american actors seemed uh really taken off the bench <laughs> <laughs> they were not good at all but I did recognize a lot of Japanese actors. I'm sure the Japanese um, Japanese acting was great, from what I could see. Uh, you know, I don't know how the translation worked, but it seemed like that was it was pretty pretty good. Uh, special effects were great. So, how overall would you think of this movie? Well, I'm not really into Godzilla, so it was entertaining. Just the action? Yeah, like three stars or something. Three out of ten. Or three, three out, out of, five. of five. This is a Yelp review. Oh, it's out of five? Yeah. Oh, man. Man, what would I give it? Yeah, me being not the biggest fan of Godzilla anyways, Mm-mm. I would put it at, a, a, I would say a 3.5. But, I mean, if you want to watch any Godzilla movies, this is probably the one from what I've seen from the other ones. <laughs> So, yeah, that has been Death by Exposure. This will conclude our first episode of the For My Role podcast. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned. We hope to put another one of these up probably every week, hopefully. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the first podcast of the For My Role. Stay back.